Thank you for accessing this audio resource from Glad Tidings Church. This is Pastor Tim Rice. I hope you enjoy the message and receive some benefit from it. If you do, please let us know. Send your comments to info at gladtidings.church. Now, here's this week's message. Now, I'm going to continue, hopefully conclude, this message that I've been preaching for. Um, actually, I'm going to finish last week's message which was actually a continuation of a message that I began three weeks ago. How many knows that's a long message? Aren't you glad that I didn't preach it all at one time, right? We would still be here uh, today. Uh, so it, that was actually a message I began three weeks ago as we started talking about a summary of the book of Acts and what we learned from the book of Acts that we can then apply uh, to, we want to apply the description of that New Testament church to our church, what we can learn from the New Testament church and apply to, to our church today. And so I chose uh, three descriptions from the book of Acts about the New Testament church to apply to our church, and they all emphasize the importance of unity. So uh, let me re review those quickly. Number one, they were all together in worship. Number two, they were in, uh, united by the word. And number three, they were empowered to witness. And so I was covering the final one of those last weeks. I had a couple more points to make. And so I want to go back on a review some of that this morning before I make those final uh, two points, all right? But would you pray with me that the Lord would anoint me and enable me to preach effectively this morning? Father God, we look to you this morning. I ask that God, you would anoint me, enable me, God, to preach effectively so that, God, I can communicate clearly to your people this morning what it is that you want all of us to hear. We believe that, God, you're doing a work in, in us and in our church, and that, God, that work is a work of preparation of what you desire to do through us in our community and in our region. We believe that, God, there's a great revival that you have in store for your church in these last days I believe that, God, that revival will, uh, that it will involve, that it will include many people coming into the kingdom of God. And so, Lord, we want to be used in that regard. We want to be soul winners. We want to be a soul winning church, God. We want to see boys and girls and men and women giving their heart to Jesus Christ, Lord. And so we ask that you would empower us. We ask that, Lord, you would speak to us. And Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, last week as I was talking about uh, the fact that all of us are empowered to be his witnesses, I made the point that in the New Testament church, evangelism is, is actually a shared responsibility. It's a shared responsibility. You may not be called to be an evangelist. You may not have the gift of evangelism. However, each one of us, uh, have a share in the great commission that Jesus Christ has given to us on the day of Pentecost. You may remember me saying that on the day of Pentecost, all of the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit because Jesus expected them all to be his witnesses. They were all filled because Jesus expected them to all be his witnesses as Acts chapter 1 Verse 8 says, and we've read this verse several times already, Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses 
You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So I mentioned that the Holy Spirit is not reserved for a few professional preachers. It's not just for pastors and evangelists. It's not just for missionaries or worship leaders, but that the Holy Spirit is for all of us. It was given to everyone for the work of evangelism because we are all empowered to witness, to be his witnesses. So if we want to be a church like the New Testament church, and we do, then I, I told you that I must say, you must say, every one of us must say, it is my job to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Now, it may, that may seem to be an intimidating obligation. Uh, it scares a lot of people to think that, that we are expected to be a witness. So it may seem to be an intimidating obligation. So I began to break that obligation down into four things that each one of us can do, should do, in order to share in this great responsibility of the Great Commission. And so you remember I said they're broken down in four words, gave you four words to remember them by. The first word is go. Go is the first word of the Great Commission, and it applies to all of us, not just missionaries. Jesus told us all to go and make disciples. If you believe that, say amen. amen. So it applies to all of us. In fact, I showed you how Jesus in the, in the Gospels, remember Jesus called his disciples to himself, and then he sent them out to proclaim uh, the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. So Jesus calls us to himself in order, not that we would remain, but that he can send us out to proclaim the good news. Jesus saves us. Aren't you glad that Jesus saves us? Jesus saves us, and then he employs us to help save others, sends us out so that others might hear and so that others might be saved. So first, he calls us out of the world, and then he sends us into the world. Remember, Jesus said, I'm not going to take you out of the world. You're going to remain in the world because we have a responsibility to be a witness uh, to others. In fact, Acts chapter 8 uh, records that the New Testament church was scattered beyond Jerusalem because of the persecution that arose after Stephen was martyred and the Bible says that they all went out and they went preaching the word as they went. So as they went, they told others about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thankfully, uh, we here in America have never had to face that kind of persecution uh, where we are persecuted in, in that regard for our faith. Um, uh, we've never had to face the kind of persecution that they endured. Yet, I said to you that we need to develop an awareness in our life that every day Jesus Christ is telling us to go, that he is sending us out into a world that needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. So by definition, evangelism begins beyond the boundaries of the church. Therefore, uh, it relies on each one of us 
taking the good news with us as we go outside of these walls each week. We go out into the world to tell others to be a witness for Jesus Christ. So I encourage you to go beyond the, the borders of your comfortable Christian network and allow God to use you to tell somebody who doesn't know Jesus Christ to tell them about Jesus Christ. Where you are, where God has placed you is, is your mission field. God has put you there to be salt and to be light and there are opportunities for us each and every day to be a witness. We must go and tell others about Jesus Christ. And then the second word was know. We must know how to tell them uh, about Jesus Christ. We must be willing to engage uh, those individuals in spiritual conversations, which means that we must, first of all, be willing to share with them our own personal testimony. Remember I said our personal testimony is the most powerful and effective witness that we have. So we tell others about what Jesus Christ has done in our life. And then we also need to know how to lead somebody to the Lord from God's Word. And so remember we, we walked through the uh, Romans Road, which is just one method from God's Word showing people how to trust on Jesus Christ. And we went through those scriptures, and I encourage you to write them down on the flyleaf in your Bible so that you can use that as a reference when you're talking to somebody about their need for Jesus Christ. Uh, what I gave to you last week was a, simple, was a simple way to lead somebody else to Jesus Christ. But even if you uh, forget the Romans road when you're talking to somebody about Jesus Christ. You can at least remember the ABCs of salvation. And that is, first of all, we must admit that we are sinners and we need God's forgiveness. Amen? Then B is we, we must believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins. And then C is we must confess him as our Lord. So it's very it's easy for us to lead someone to the Lord, but we must pray for boldness. We, gotta, we have to know how to share the gospel with somebody and lead them to salvation in Jesus Christ. And then the third word, this is, we're picking back up where I left off last week. The third word that I want you to remember is show. So we must go, we must know how to lead somebody to the Lord. And then number three is we must show. Show. We must show them how to get connected to the body of Christ. We must show them how to get connected to the body of Christ. We, we all share this responsibility of evangelism, which means that it is my job to be a witness for Jesus Christ, but it is not my job alone. It's, it's my responsibility. Evangelism is my responsibility, but it is not my responsibility alone. It is, it is your responsibility to be a witness for Jesus Christ, but it is not your responsibility alone. We all have that responsibility. We all share in the responsibility of evangelism. That means that we must work together to spread the gospel and to expand the kingdom of God. And listen, the local church is the coordinating center of our activity. 
It's the local church that is the organizing hub of the work that God has called us to do. I believe in the local church. Obviously, I'm a pastor. I believe that God has established the local church to be the organizing center of the work that he has called us as Christians to do. This, this is home base for what God wants to do in our lives and through our lives is right here at this church. In fact, let's look again at the Great Commission, if you will. This is in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, where Jesus says to his disciples, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus did not tell us to go and make converts. How many knows Jesus told us to go and make disciples? Now, why is that significant? It's important because making disciples um, not only requires that we would lead a person to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ, but that we would also teach them show them how to follow Jesus Christ, which is, which is why it is so important for us to invite folks to church and to include them with other Christians so that they might learn how to follow Jesus Christ. The local church is the primary means by which Individual believers are incorporated into the body of Christ, how they are included in uh, the life of Jesus Christ, and how believers are involved in the mission of Jesus Christ. That's what the church is all about. That's our, our mission is to send out from here believers that will go and tell others about Jesus Christ and then invite them and bring them in so that the kingdom of God can be expanded and can grow. Now, according to God's design, babies are born into families, families that can love them and nurture them and train them and teach them. And how many knows that that churches, local churches, are families for new believers. We need the family of God. Look at your neighbor and say, I need you and you need me. We need one another. The church was God's idea. It's the, it is the center of what God desires to do in this world around us. So, we are the family of God. We exist to love and to teach and to train and to nurture disciples of Jesus Christ. So we must, we must go and we must tell others about Jesus Christ. We, we, we've got to know how to lead them to the Lord. We need to know how to have conversations with them about Jesus Christ, but we must also show them how to get connected into the body of Christ, how to, how to come in and be, belong to the people of God, which means that we should, we should invite folks to come uh, to church with us. 
If anything, the book of Acts taught us that ministry is, is a partnership. Ministry is a partnership. No one can, can do it all alone, which means, that, which means that we cannot do it without you and that you cannot do it without us. We need one another. The ministry is a partnership between all of us. It takes, it takes a church to make disciples, but it takes all of us to make a church. Amen? And so we need to uh, partner with one another, cooperate with each other to fulfill the great commission that Jesus Christ has given to us. Even the most prolific soul winner in the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul, demonstrated his need for other individuals. He understood that he could not do it alone. He understood that evangelism was, was teamwork. He could not do it by himself. In fact, uh, I have a passage I want to share with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where Paul talks about this partnership of the gospel. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 9, Paul says to the Corinthians, What then is Apollos? You might remember Apollos from the book of Acts. He was that eloquent preacher that preached in, in Corinth first. And there arose some dispute in Corinth. People were saying, well, I'm a disciple of Apollos. And some were saying, well, I'm an apostle of Paul. I mean, a disciple of Paul. And Paul is making the point to the Corinthians here that, hey, we're all disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen. So he says to them, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. Verse 6, he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one. And each will receive his wages according to his labor, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. The work of the Great Commission is, this passage illustrates that the work of the Great Commission is accomplished in stages. And it requires a, a partnership uh, of God's people. There are, there are at least three partners in the work of evangelism. There is the one who plants the seed, the one who has that initial conversation with somebody about faith, their need for Jesus Christ. There is, second of all, the one who waters, the one who nurtures that faith, who continues to uh, uh, nurture that initial message that was implanted in that person's heart. And then there is the one who gives the growth. That's God. God is the one who brings a person to, who, who gives the gift of faith, who brings that person's faith to maturity. God is the one who gives growth. God is the one who prepares the person for, for harvest. He is, he is the only one that can give the gift of faith. However, he relies on us to be those that will plant the seed and those that will water the seed. Hey, Glad Tidings. Let's decide this this morning. Let's be that church that will work together to build disciples 
to make disciples and to build the kingdom of God. Let's partner together. The pastor can't do it by himself. I can't accomplish it by myself. Pastor Belinda can't do it by herself. Pastor Belinda and I together, we can't do it by ourselves. It takes a church to make disciples. It takes a, it takes a church to partner together to do the work that God has called us to do. And so I have it in my heart that I want us to partner together to make a difference for the kingdom of God to see souls saved. What is that going to require of us? Well, it means that each one of us, each one of us must be willing to say, God, I'll be a witness. I'll be one that you can use. I'll, I'll plant the seed, God. I'll go where, where I need to go to tell others about Jesus Christ. I'll reach beyond the walls of this church. I'll I'll reach beyond the comfort zone of my own life and reach out to people that need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'll be willing, Lord, to be the one that will plant the seed. And Lord, I pray that you will use me to invite them to church and introduce them to other Christians that can then, then water the seeds. And we will then we'll pray together that, God, you will give the growth and you'll bring that person to faith. In Jesus Christ or that you'll be the one that will be willing to say God I'll be a witness I'll invite I'll invite other people to church and the seed will be planted and then I'll I'll invest in that relationship with them I'll talk with them and have spiritual conversations with them I'll water that seed and Lord we will pray that God will that you will bring that faith to maturity and that you'll give the growth what I'm saying is that we have to become a church that has an awareness that, that God has called each and every one of us to be a witness. And that we are constantly looking for opportunities to tell others about Jesus Christ, to invite them to come to church with us. All the while, we are praying that God is doing a work of faith in their heart and in their life. It takes more than just the pastor telling people about Jesus Christ. Amen? It takes more than just one or two praying for a harvest of souls. It will, it will take all of us doing our part to see people come into the kingdom of God. So I'm asking you, would you, would you partner with me? And, and would you invite people and say, and start, start conversations with them about Jesus Christ on the, at the workplace and at, uh, at Walmart, different places? Reach out and begin to tell people about Jesus Christ. Invite them to come to church with you. Pray for them and believe that God is going to give them the gift of faith in their life. Amen. That when the invitation is given on Sunday morning that you're praying with me, God, I'm praying that you will speak, that you will show yourself to that person that I've invited to church today, reveal yourself to them so that they might see their need of salvation and bring them to faith in, in Jesus Christ. Because it takes, it takes a partnership of the church working together to make disciples for the kingdom of God. And if we will all begin to see ourselves as partners together, to see souls saved, then I believe that God will do a mighty work in our midst. What I want to see happen is a shift 
in, in how we sometimes see church. Many Christians see themselves as church customers, that, that we are here to consume what the church produces. How about what if our focus changed and we began to see ourselves as partners together? And that we are here, no, we're not here to consume what the church produces, that we, but that we are here to contribute to what the church produces. In particular, that we are here to share in the responsibility that we all have to make disciples for Jesus Christ. Which brings me to uh, the final words. So we must go, we must know how to share Jesus Christ. We, we need to show them how to get connected to the body of Christ. But then the final word is flow, flow. In order for us to be effective witnesses for Jesus Christ, we must learn to flow in the power of the Holy Spirit. This takes us back to where we began. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. What do we receive power for? We receive power to be his witnesses. Let me say it again. The purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is to empower us to accomplish the Great Commission. That's the purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Um, so let me say this morning. If, you've not, if you have not received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, then, then I believe that you ought to desire it. And, and I believe that you should begin to seek for it. To ask God to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it, it, is a, it is something that is needed and necessary for us to be the witnesses that Jesus Christ has called us to be. The purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to be an effective witness for Jesus Christ. And so if, if you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, then begin to desire it. Begin to seek it. Begin to ask, how, how, do you, how do you seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, it's very easy. Jesus said... If you'll ask me, then I'll give it to you. It really is that simple. In Luke, Jesus said, if you will ask, the Heavenly Father knows how to give good gifts to his children. And he says, so if you will ask, just like an earthly father knows how to give good gifts to his children, if they ask for bread, he's not going to give them a stone. If he asks for a fish, he's not going to give him a scorpion. He says, so your heavenly father knows how to give good gifts to you. And Jesus said, how much more will he, if you ask, he will give you the Holy Spirit. Let's settle it right here this morning. And I want you to know that God desires for you to have the Holy Spirit. God desires for you to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's not for a select few. It's not for preachers and evangelists. It's not for a certain number of people. And the people that have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they're not elite Christians in some way. They have only received what God has promised to each and every one of us. He's given us that promise so that we can have the same power to be the witnesses that he has called us uh, to be. So it's uh, the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to make us effective witnesses. If you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, begin to ask God, God, I, I need you to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. I need the power that you have promised to me so that I can be an effective witness for Jesus Christ. And if you have received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, then you need to begin to use it. 
and began to deploy it. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not some secret gift that we tuck away in our life and we use only on special occasions. The power of the Holy Spirit is meant for us each and every day so that we can be effective witnesses for Jesus Christ. It means if we have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then every day, <laughs> every day you should be praying, Father God, fill me, refill me with the Holy Spirit so that I'm overflowing so that when I go about my routine on Monday morning or on Tuesday afternoon, I am open to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit can speak to me and show me opportunities to be his witness, right? So the Holy Spirit will give you promptings. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he will prompt you. He will show you who to talk to, where to go, what, what to do. So if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, begin to become obedient to the promptings of the Holy Spirit in your life. Um, if you have the Holy Spirit, then part of the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to give you boldness to be able to speak to others about Jesus Christ. As I said, it's sometimes intimidating to talk to others about Jesus Christ. But if you believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation, and God has filled you with the Holy Spirit, then that conviction can empower you to tell others about the love that Jesus Christ uh, has shed abroad in our hearts. So part of the mark of the Holy Spirit is that he gives us boldness to be able to speak to others. The Holy Spirit is given to us so that we can have wisdom. So that in that conversation, in that moment, Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to say. In that moment, he said, I'll give you the words to be able to say to that individual. So begin to use the anointing that we have by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then finally, begin to operate and exercise the gifts of the Holy Spirit that God makes available to his people and available to his church. I believe, I believe that we should pray for and that we should expect the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That they ought to operate in our lives and that they ought to operate in our church. If you believe that this morning, say amen. amen. That's why we're Pentecostal. We believe that those same gifts of the Holy Spirit that are spoken of in the New Testament, that they're still available to the church today, amen? That tongues and interpretation of tongues and prophecy and miracles and healings and all of those things, that's still for us today, amen? So we should expect that those same gifts are operating in our lives and that they're operating in our church but the purpose of those gifts, let me emphasize it once again, the purpose of those gifts is the work of evangelism, to lead other people uh, to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's why I believe that we should, we should pray for, we should expect the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be manifested on Sunday morning. But listen, but I think that we ought to also pray for and expect that the gifts of the Holy Spirit should be manifest throughout the rest of the week as well. On Monday morning and on Tuesday afternoon. Because listen, the true measure of a New Testament church is not its service on Sunday, 
but the mark of a New Testament church is its ministry on Monday. Did you hear me? The mark of a New Testament church is not its service on Sunday, but it's, it's, it's ministry on Monday. So we, we sometimes get that backwards and we think, wow, we had great church service on Sunday morning. And I thank God for great services on Sunday morning. Don't you? But that's not, that's not the measure. That's not the full measure of a New Testament church. It's not its service on Sunday. It's its ministry on Monday morning. Amen? And it's on Tuesday afternoon. It's on Wednesday, before you get over that hump on Wednesday, how many know you need the Holy Ghost then especially? Amen. And so we need the Holy Spirit operating in our hearts and in our lives seven days a week to empower us to be the witnesses that Jesus Christ has called us to be. In fact, I've given you three descriptions of the type of church that we desire to become. Together in worship, united by the word, empowered to witness. There's one description in the book of Acts. And I'm pretty sure I've, well, I know that I've preached on this because I preached on it when we were going through the book of Acts. But I know I've preached on it on more than one occasion. Uh, but I'd like to close with that description in Acts chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, look at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. This description of the New Testament church gives us an accurate picture of the activity of the New Testament church. In Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, it says this, and they, that's the church, the, the disciples, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And verse 46, look at verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who are being saved. The New Testament, the New Testament church was, was a day-by-day day church. The New Testament church was a day-by-day. Day. It, was, it wasn't a Sunday church. It, it wasn't just a Wednesday church. It wasn't a one-day-a-week church or a two-day-a-week church. It was an everyday church. It was an everyday church because every member understood they had a share in the Great Commission. That God had called them to be witnesses. It was an everyday church because everybody, every day, was being the church. Pastor Belinda said it uh, so well at the beginning of this service. Sure, on Sunday we come to church. This is the church building. But how many knows being the church doesn't mean coming to church. It means day by day that we are being a witness for Jesus Christ. That day by day we are going 
Day by day, we are speaking and talking and telling others. Day by day, we're inviting people. Day by day, we're allowing the Holy Spirit to operate in us and through us at such measure that people are coming to faith because of our witness for Jesus Christ. And the New Testament church grew day by day as the church was being the church. That's what I desire to see in our church. That's, that's what I want to see God do in each one of us and through, and through us. How many believe that the world needs that kind of church again? That our city needs that kind of church. Not just a place to come to, but a church that is going to them and telling them that Jesus loves them. Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or would like more information about following Jesus Christ, please contact us at gladtidings.church. If you live near Dunn, North Carolina, please consider visiting our church on Sunday mornings at 1030. You can also download our church app in the iTunes or Google Play app store and receive updates and notifications. You may use the app to make a financial gift to help support our ministry. God bless you.